0: Thank you, Rob. It's great. Welcome to uh, Hope if you've just joined us. We've had a, uh, an interesting start to our morning with uh, technology not working. So, Andrew, we're going to improvise right now. And um, I think we've got a microphone that's not working due to a change to some settings on Facebook or Apple or something. So, we're going to try, we're going to, Andrew's going to speak to us shortly, and we're going to have a mirror in position so that you can stand behind the camera. And uh, so, I'm just going to bring this into place. And, Andrew, you can line us up. Yes. And then, um, are you in, uh, in position then?
1: Right. Now we're cooking. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's just, um, I wonder if, actually, we could do it at an angle, so the phone's not right in the middle. So if you bring the, bring this around the mirror around. Okay. And point, and. Like yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Great.
0: So, if you've just joined angle, us, angle a bit you, more. welcome to this really slick mega church. We kind of build ourselves around BBC quality production and or Netflix. You know, the kind of the Crown. Think of that kind of quality of, of production. Right. That's what we're all about. Actually, it's not. You might have guessed that we're 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 a bit more raw as a church. And actually, this is this okay. is real life, isn't it? This is what life is really like. And right. We, and that's what, Yeah. I, go. For it. Sorry, I think
1: we're good. As long as I can see that. I just want to see whether people can hear me. Okay, can you sure. hear me? So tell me if you can hear me. I think I should be in shot. I could probably come even closer, can I? So let me know if you can hear me. I'm hoping that will be clearer. Um, but let me know.
0: But this is, I just think this is a, a moment to appreciate that this is what real life is like. And, you know, part of what we're doing through COVID times is we're, is we're building church in the home. And recognizing the, the opportunity that that is for parents to connect with their children spiritually in different ways, for us all to connect with God in different ways. And, and (laughs) I bet there are loads of people here whose first experience of sort of family church or church at the home was a meltdown for a child or, or things going completely wrong, you know? And that's actually the way, that's actually the way it so often is. And that's the way that life is. And, and, and the, the amazing thing about following Jesus is we haven't got to be perfect and polished. You know, it's about being real, and it's about um, Jesus came and he got into the guts of everyday life. So, um, maybe you've just joined in, and, 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 and in which case, big welcome. Uh, we we're, uh, This morning, we're, we're speaking. Uh, Andrew's going and to be speaking on the on the book of James, and so I'm going to hand over to you, bro, now, and um, take us take us there.
1: Right. Thank you, Chris. Well, I just felt like talking. Just into a camera wasn't hard enough, so I thought what I'd do is talk into a mirror, into a camera. I really wish—I was just thinking then—I really wish I was. Uh, I was speaking on a bit of scripture that's a little bit later in James, where here we go: James 1:23. 20, Those who listen to the word but do not do what it says are like people who look at their face in a mirror. And after will to look at themselves, go away, and immediately forget what they look like. That's not what I'm talking on, but there we go. So um, I'm hoping you can hear me a bit better. Yes, Rob, get a bit of that in there. So I'm going to be speaking on James chapter 1, uh, but before I do, I'm going, to, I'm going to pray for us. We're going to be looking at just a few verses, not the whole chapter, and uh, we'll be going from there. So let's pray, and then we'll, um, we'll get into it. So Father, we welcome you, we honour you, we love you. Oh, we well, thank you that um it, it just doesn't matter how how, how well things uh, sort of look and things like that. It just matters that we just tune into you, connect with you, are honest with you, explore the scriptures with an open mind and an open heart. And so we pray we pray now that you would open our minds, that you would open our hearts, that we would we sort of just forget about some of the messiness of, of this and just tune in to the scripture, tune into what your Holy Spirit is going to say to us through this. Amen. Okay, well the crew's working hard, the lighting's getting better, this is remarkable. Um, We got the ITV crew in just to help with a few last minute changes. So we're going to be looking at James chapter 1 from verses 2 to verses 18 and I'm going to read it out loud but what I'd love, here we go, this is great. I feel like a news reporter, where all these things are happening that no one else can see. So, if I want, what I want you to do is to read at home, James, out loud, James chapter one, verses two to eighteen. I'm going to.
0: Okay, are we back on? Yeah,
1: take... Are we back, folks? Are we back? I mean, hopefully it didn't matter because you were at home reading the scripture yourself. So uh, we think we're back on, but uh, let us know. Let us know. Right now, in hope, we are considering it pure joy when we face trials <laughs> I think of, we're back of again. many kinds. So um, we're enjoying this. Okay, well, look, keep reading the scripture. I'm going to keep reading it because I need to read it. So I think I got to verse 9. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. Uh, In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. Blessed are those who persevere under trial because they have stood the test. They will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each of you is tempted when you are dragged away by your own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. We got some shifting shadows here. He chose to give birth, give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruit of all he created. Okay, so, we're in a series looking at the book of James and the reason we're looking at James is really because of verse 2 how it starts straight in he doesn't hang about bangs in with verse 2 consider it pure joy my brothers and sisters whenever you face trials of many kinds now covid lockdown is dragging on and on and uh, for most of us if we're not on the front line if we're not you know, key workers, for most of us, the, the, the best way we can contribute is by pretty much, as my dad said, staying out of the way, staying at home, sitting sit sit out, letting the professionals do what they do. But it's a real challenge. And there are so many trials that different people are facing, whether it is indeed being ill with coronavirus, where it, whether it is being a frontline worker, whether it's being at home as a parent, doing homeschooling with a number of children. Whether it's being a teacher and having to do so much material for online school, mixed with going in to teach uh, children of key workers, there are lots of trials that are coming out and we are facing because of coronavirus. And so I want to focus today on how James says, why he says, how can he say, consider it pure joy? How is that possible? And this whole passage that I just read is actually all about that sentence. It's all about how we can consider it pure joy and why we should consider it pure joy. So I want to highlight two things from the scripture and then I want to look at another story in the Bible where we see this at play. So the first thing that I found interesting when I was doing some research about this is from verse 2 to 7, there's a kind of stepping stone pattern to the scripture. One sentence will begin, one verse will begin with something that the previous verse ended with. Because it's a sequential unfolding. It, 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 each, each bit follows on from the bit previously. So the reason James says to consider it pure joy whenever we face trials is because we know that when, we are, when our faith is tested, it produces perseverance. That's the end of verse 3. Verse 4 then begins with, Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. Verse 5 begins with, if you lack anything, which is what verse 4 ended with, then you should ask God, because he will give without finding fault to anyone. And then verse uh, 6, so if you if you do ask God because you lack something, then you should not doubt, because those who doubt are like waves tossed in the sea. So there's a sequence here that... That James is saying that when our faith is tested, that that something happens where perseverance is grown and nurtured in us. And perseverance, the ability to get up time and time again, to still choose to connect with God, to be honest, to express our disappointment, our hopes, our pain, our Or whatever it is to keep going to him and talking to him to keep getting up and believing that God is good that there will be breakthrough that God will answer our prayers that God is still guiding us in our day to day that he can help us in the midst of a moment where we've lost our peace that that kind of perseverance does something amazing inside of you and me that it actually creates maturity within us and I think it's not too far a stretch To say that without trials, it's impossible to mature. The reason for that is because um, trials reveal things in us that otherwise would not be revealed. They test us in a way that otherwise we would not be tested. And if maturity, and maturity ultimately um, in the Bible is about us becoming more and more like Jesus. not Not just like imitating him but actually looking the same as him on the inside having the same values as him living in the same way living in that unbroken connection with god like he did that is maturity and so the the route to maturity is through persevering through trial if there is no trial then we will not be able to learn perseverance if there is no perseverance we may not be able to learn maturity so this is why um trials begin to become you know can be a Gift, something to be celebrated. Not celebrating the 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 the, the negative things happening, but celebrating what God can do through them. So if we move on to verse nine, I'm not going to try and unpack every verse because that'll take ages and I and I haven't got enough to say to do that. But if we move to verse nine, there's a really probably my favourite verse in this passage. Let me read it again. Believers in humble circumstances. Ought to take pride in their high position. Believers in humble circumstances, which often we would translate to being um, sort of a a lowly circumstance. I just lost my page, there we go. Uh, In humble circumstances where they don't have much, where they're experiencing trial and hardship. James says, if that's you, then you then you should take pride in your high position. Why? Because when we're weak, we are strong. When we are, when we are at the end of our capacity, that's where God can meet us and do more with us. When we are humbled, God raises us up. And then in verse 10, he says, um, But the rich should take pride in their humiliation. He's, he's doing this amazing topsy-turvy thing with this scripture, encouraging us not to think if we are facing trial that we are in a lowly position. Actually, if we are facing trial, we are in a really good place because of what God can do in that uh, situation. So if you are feeling like you're in a humble circumstance where you feel weak, where you feel fragile, where you feel like, gosh, even just getting through to the end of today is, is just really overwhelming then then let me tell you, take, take pride in your high position. Know that you are really looked on specially by God, that you are in a place where God can do a lot with you, even though you feel like you're in a humble position. And if we are uh, rich at this time, both financially, literally rich, but also just in the fact that we're not finding it, that hard, where lockdown life actually is okay for us. Perhaps uh, some people are really enjoying it, having a having a break from lots of other people, getting to be at home with their family. It's a really enjoyable thing. Then we should remember that actually, um, we shouldn't take pride in the fact that we are currently rich. We should be constantly looking for the ways in which God is getting our attention about how we can grow, how we can develop, and that's what James is trying to tell his readers in this passage is basically whether whether you're, whether you're you're in need right now or in a really good place right now, try to understand that God is at work in you. Do not be overwhelmed by your circumstances and do not forget the refinement of God in your circumstances, if they're bad or good. So what I want to do now is to look at a story from the Old Testament to see how this mystery plays out of the fact that trial becomes a gift. That trial can be considered a pure joy because of what God can do to us in it. And to do that, I want to go back to Genesis to look at the story of Jacob. So if you've got your Bibles, do turn with me to Genesis 32 and, and we can look at it together. So the story in Genesis 32 is of Jacob who was a twin to a guy called Esau and he is uh, he's basically stolen his brother's birthright he had to run away from his brother he he goes and works on a chap's farm and uh, wants to marry one daughter and gets tricked into marrying another daughter so he marries the other daughter without realizing it and then he has to work for another 7 years to marry the daughter he does want he then tricks his father-in-law to take away the best Um, of the herds, the best of the livestock, has to run away from his father-in-law. And as he's moving away from there, so he tricked his brother, he tricked his dad, he got tricked by his father-in-law, he tricked his father-in-law, and then he's running away and he realises that he's coming to the land where his twin brother now lives. The twin brother that he robbed of his birthright. And Jacob is terrified that his twin brother is going to kill him. He's terrified more because he sends some men ahead and they come back and say, Esau's coming with four hundred men. I think it is. He's coming to meet you, and, and Jacob thinks he's gonna he's gonna kill me. He's gonna kill all my family, he's gonna he's gonna take everything I've got, and he's terrified. And he gets put in this position where, in the words of James, he's he is totally humbled. He experiences this acute trial. And that's where we join the story. So Jacob sends on everyone ahead of him until he's alone. And verse 22 of Jacob 30, 30, uh, sorry Genesis 32. That night, Jacob got up and took his... Whoop, I need to skip ahead a little bit. Sorry. Little, yeah, 24. Verse 24 of Genesis 32. So Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with human beings and have overcome. Jacob replied, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask me my name? Then he blessed him there. And the thing I want to draw your attention to is uh, from verse 26. Jacob says to the man, I will not let you go until you bless me. And we know later on that that there is a, a blessing that is spoken. Verse 29, there's a blessing that's spoken. But that blessing isn't actually recorded in scripture. And what I've begun to think is that maybe the blessing was less the blessing and more in the conversation after Jacob asks for the blessing. Let me explain. So Jacob says, I will not let you go until you bless me. The man's response is, what is your name? Okay, And Jacob answers, Jacob, because that's his name. Now in, in the Amplified Bible, what it draws out at this point is that Jacob, in, in answering what his name is, has this realisation of what his name means. And Jacob means a trickster a, a supplanter, a swindler, a deceiver. And in this moment, this question that is asked of Jacob, uh, when, Jacob asks, sorry, when Jacob is asked, what is your name? He suddenly realises the way that he has been living. He suddenly has a moment where he goes, oh my goodness, I'm a trickster. I'm a supplanter. I'm a swindler. I'm a deceiver. And then the man says, your, your name's going to be changed. Effectively, you're going to experience transformation in this area of your life. You're no longer going to be called Jacob. You're going to be called Israel. But if Jacob had not been in a position where he thought that him and all of his family was going to be killed. Where he was fleeing and had spent years in this constant wrestling of deception and deceiving. If he hadn't been brought to the end of his capacity to cope, he would never have asked this question, would never have wrestled with God, would never have turned to God in prayer in the way that he did. If he had never turned to God in the way that he did in prayer, he would never have had this encounter where he understood the way that he was being clearly and the need for him to change. The fact that Jacob experienced severe trial ended up um, enabling him to experience true, deep transformation. Without the trial, there was not the prayer. Without the prayer, there was not the encounter. Without the encounter, there was not the transformation. This is why trials can be pure joy. Because they bring us to a place, if we let them, Where we turn to God in a way that we don't do outside of trial. Where we're brought to to prayer, we're brought to a pleading, a longing that we just don't experience outside of trial. And James knows that in that place when we turn to God in prayer, when we're experiencing trial, that he will meet us. That he will work on our character, our insides and ultimately develop us further into maturity. So that's the main message of James 1. Is do not be despondent when you are facing trial. But turn to God relentlessly, call him into it, talk to him. Don't be discouraged at the fact that your capacity is being exceeded. Don't allow yourself to believe that this will never end, that, you, that, that, that God cannot do anything in you at this time. Your job when you are experiencing trial is to relentlessly turn to God in prayer. To realise that it is beyond you to cope by yourself. To realise that our self-sufficiency ultimately has let us down. That it ultimately cannot lead us through the trial that we are facing. The way that we have have learnt to cope with things just doesn't cut it anymore. And if we can realise that, if we can humble ourselves, then we'll actually realise that we are brought to a high position where we're empowered by God, where the Holy Spirit can work in us deeply. But we have to understand and embrace the fact that we are humbled. That we cannot do it. That it's beyond us. So that is why I think James 1 says, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. Because in that environment, God, if we will let him, can truly transform us and enable us to be empowered by the Holy Spirit in a way that we just cannot experience and know unless we face trial. So let me pray for us. And then we'll wrap up this remarkable live stream experience. When nothing went right. And we ended up talking into a mirror. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you, um, that you don't panic when our capacity is exceeded. That you don't look at uh, your children when they're, when they're overwhelmed and think that that's the end of the story or think that you just need to wait until they recover before you do things with them. But actually, Lord, that, you, that you're that you ready, eager and, and full of anticipation for your people turning to you in the midst of their lowest moments, because you know that that is often where you can do the deepest and best work. Father, I pray that we would not be deceived into thinking that we have to find hours and hours to pray and to journal and to connect with you. But it's just a constant lifestyle of turning to you in the midst of the moments. Just quick moments of connection. Jesus, you're there. Jesus, you're real. Would you help? Would you talk? Would you teach? Would you lead? Would you comfort? Would you empower? If, if you don't know, I've, I've, I've got a two and a half month old daughter. And uh, sometimes when she's upset and I'm trying to comfort her, I I pray and I say, God, please will you help Zoe go to sleep? And most of the time, she doesn't immediately go to sleep. And I could think, okay, God, you're not answering my prayers. But I actually begin to wonder if God wants me to... um, Sometimes it's a gift to know that we're powerless. Or that it's not going to be an instant change. And it's humbling. But you persevere. And those times when Zoe's crying and, and, and I know, Rebecca, Rebecca and I know, that she's just tired and she just needs to sleep. And we pray, we say, God, will you help her sleep? And she doesn't go to sleep immediately. The persevering and the, and the keeping on going... And the realising that, you know, all we've got is just to keep putting one foot in front of the other, keep on doing the soothing that we're trying to do. And eventually there is breakthrough. Eventually she does go to sleep. But the fact that God doesn't answer our call to be lifted out of the challenge we're in immediately often is because he knows it's of more value to us to leave us in it to persevere than it is to rescue us and for us to not learn perseverance. I'll say that again. Sometimes God doesn't answer our prayer to be lifted out of something immediately because he knows it is of greater value to us. If we stay in it in order to persevere than it is if he lifts us out and we don't learn perseverance. So Father, we as a church say we want to learn how to persevere. And if that means that you don't lift us out of things straight away, we trust you. Because we believe, as James says, that when we face trials, it leads to perseverance. And persevering leads to maturity. And Lord, we want to mature. So church, I bless you in the name of Jesus. To look at trials and to have a little smile on your face. Knowing that God is going to grow something remarkable in you. The gift of perseverance that leads to maturity. Amen. Chris, do you want to come and take your place in the mirror? Sure. Yeah.
0: Thanks, Andrew. So, uh, I think it must be his fault that everything went wrong today because he chose to speak on perseverance and overcoming trials. So we've um, we've had that. Uh, actually, this is pretty trivial, isn't it, in the grand scheme of things? Um, but g- great to be great to be walking with you. Great to be following Jesus. And uh, isn't it an amazing thing we get to follow this? God-man who brings hope and life to the whole world. Great. We're going to finish there. And if you'd like to join us, we'd love to see you. And we can see each other face-to-face uh, on Zoom. And so the details for, the, for our Zoom are in the, in the comments on the live stream here. And so you can log in at quarter to twelve. And um, depending on how many people of us there are, we, we might be as one, one group or we might go into breakout rooms. It's a time to, to do whatever you like, really, to have some time with other, with other people. Uh, one of the great things about church is that we meet, meet people we don't know. So, so hopefully there's an opportunity for some of that. Um, and also we can pray or we can chat and catch up. So we'll finish our live stream here and uh, hope to see you on Zoom if that works for you. Uh, if not, catch you soon. Bye.